The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday morning. We're getting a little bit late start for those who are on the video platforms uh, like we had the other week. We've had some uh, some issues with uh, some of the connections that we have sometimes in the UK. And our guest this morning, we were having a little bit of a problem there. But I think he's on, and we're going to bring him on in just a moment. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down right there on the right, and we are live streaming there on the page. You can also catch that live feed on my Twitter page, uh, Twitter feed at FPP Tim, FPP Tim on Twitter. Periscope is setting brush fires. Facebook is Bradley Dean SOL. YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. We're also on the front page of BeforeIt'sNews.com. Thank you to Michael Roach for that. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. Uh, thank you for your friends over at DLive as well. And then finally, you can catch us on Spreely, Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And if you want to call in any time during the show, please, let's keep it to the topic. And uh, those of you who don't know what the topic is, we've got it in the video room. But those of you listening by Red State Talk Radio, we're going to be talking about the critiquing Islam, fighting against the grooming of our children by the Muslim gangs and LGBT and standing for free speech. Now, to help me do that uh, is a new friend, and this by way of our, uh, by way of our health and wellness expert, uh, Kate Shimarani. And his name name is uh, Peter McElvena. And um, Peter has passions of aircraft, politics, and his Christian faith. And for the last six years, he's worked in the House of Lords for Lord Pearson of Rannoch, or Rannosh. I'll let him correct me on that in a minute. Uh, he co-founded Hearts of Oak, which is a populist free speech organization. They launched in February with people like Tommy Robinson, Carl Benjamin, Catherine Blakelock, and uh, Pastor Well Babatunde. I, I, I'm not sure if that's correct either, but uh, we'll let him correct me in a minute. His main areas of engagement are critiquing Islam. Uh, they focused on grooming gangs, and some of you have watched what uh, Tommy has done over there as well, opposing the sexualization of the children and the LGBT, LGBT agenda in schools, fighting for free speech, which is under threat, and opposing 
their mainstream media. They have forced the government to agree to publish a report on the grooming gangs by launching a petition which was signed by over 100,000 people in three days. That's pretty incredible. And they're currently taking the government to court over their failure to deport three members of the uh, Rochdale grooming gang who have served their short sentences, had their citizenship stripped, and have attached um, the graphic. Uh, well, he, he attached the graphic. I was reading off the things they gave me, uh, and he gave me a graphic there as well. And I don't know, Peter, if um, I'm going to have to set you back up on this, but I can definitely hear you and see you, so that's a good, good. thing. And uh, we want to welcome you here to the Sons of Liberty. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be on with you. Yep, yep. Uh, let me uh, let me remove this here, and I'm going to put you right back in, so the viewing audience will be able to see see you. And I'm glad you were able to get things going. Sometimes those those phones do things much better than the uh, than the computers do for some reason. Yeah. All right, very true. So you're with uh, HeartsofOak.org. Now this is something that that you uh, have been working on for a while, but you you formally launched this, if you will. In February of this year, you've got some, I guess, some pretty big hitters, heavy hitters that are working alongside you, and you've you've been working in the House of Lords for six years, you say. And what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I see you've got a family, and um, you are working in there, and you're fighting against these things. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Um, yeah, I've got a family, married, uh, two boys, and aircraft was always my passion. I studied aerospace engineering, and then nine eleven happened. So uh, it's, uh, media and politics and current affairs are always an area of huge passion for me anyway, big interest. And it's an area you kind of fall into. You get, got to meet people. The, there was no jobs in the aircraft industry after 9-11. So I uh, had come to London and got a job actually in a church. And part of my role was educating the leadership team on current affairs, issues that we can engage with and pray for as a church. Um, and that's how I got into uh, my role. I met a number of people who were discussing, debating, educating on Islam, and uh, including someone called Sam Solomon. And it was from that that I got into the area of politics, into UKIP. I was campaign manager for UKIP for six months, national campaign manager last year. Uh, and... Um, that was my vote, and UKIP is now dead and buried, and we don't have any populist free speech party in the UK. Um, most European countries have something available, but we do not. So uh, that's what I've been doing over the last 20 years, I think. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, that's great. Um, and uh, what do you do there in the House of Lords? I mean, what, what, what's going on there? Are you like an advisor? Or are you a guy who reads through bills and stuff like that that, that come forward? Or, or how, are, how, how are you useful in that capacity? Well, I, I, I first got to meet Lord Pearson probably 10, 11 years ago. It was actually I ended up driving Marine Le Pen, uh, the French political oh, nice. leader around London. Okay. Uh, you get involved in these things, and you're not exactly sure how, but I knew Lord Pearson beforehand, and he had asked if I would come and assist with organizing an event with Marine Le Pen, with Gerd Fielders, the Dutch politician. So I was involved in arranging that, driving them around London, uh, making sure they were okay. And uh, he had lost his, he had a PA and a researcher. They had both moved on, and he was talking to a friend, a mutual friend, discussing who 
could step in and replace those. And my name came up in the conversation. So he called me, he asked me to come in for a cup of tea. I came in for a cup of tea six years ago and that's been it. So it's everything in everything with in the House of Commons with our MPs, they get budgets. They have big staff budgets in the Lords. They get zero. So if it's a member of the Lords who is well off, then they will have a, a staff. If it's a member of the Lords who's not well off, then they don't have staff. So I've worked for Lord Pearson part time for those six years. And it's everything from organizing events to booking train tickets to uh, absolutely everything. But he is a, a wonder. He's the one of the, the first Eurosceptic peers who has opposed our membership of the EU. That's his main area. And the other main area is on Islam. And his line is, can we talk about Islam? And the problem is, you can't. And he gets shut down for talking about it. But he's one of the only, uh, there may be only one other one, Baroness Cox. The two of them, out of 850 members of the House of Lords, will publicly discuss and question Islam. No one else in that whole house will. So we are a very small minority in the parliament. Okay. Now, is uh, when you when you say he he was opposed to the EU, I'm assuming he's probably been one of those who's been leading the charge as well for Brexit. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. He was um, he was appointed by Margaret Thatcher. He was one of oh, Margaret wow. Thatcher's last appointees in the um, late uh, 89, 1989. Uh, and great stories about him and Margaret going up to his place in Scotland and. And they seem to really know each other. And he was actually given his place in the House of Lords because he he was involved in the insurance, insurance industry. And he took Lloyds of London, which is the big insurance company here in the UK, he took them to court over malpractices and wrongly accounting and not doing things above board. So he changed the, the way the insurance industry works here. And Margaret Thatcher saw that and asked him to come into the House of Lords. But he said his mistake was always reading the Lisbon Treaty, which was one of the big EU treaties. He sat and he read it and he said, has no one else read this? This is a loss of our freedom. Our democracy has been taken away. Our rights to pass legislation, to pass laws is disappeared. And now it's the EU that takes over all of that. Uh, so he always says he made the mistake of reading government legislation. Never do that. Stay in the dark. It's much simpler. <laughs> um, but as soon as he read that and realized that this was a, a, a power grab from the EU and the nation state was now no longer existing as it had before, uh, he immediately begun to oppose that. So for 20 years, he has been involved with opposing. He was originally a conservative peer and then left to be part of UKIP, who was UKIP leader, uh, which is the party that Nigel Farage was, was part of. Uh, so Euroscepticism has always been his big thing and it's always been because the nation state should have the right to pass laws for the benefit and the good of its own people. And you cannot have another nation making demands. And sadly, in the EU, it's 27 countries all trying to come up with a policy that suits everyone. And in the end, you get policies that suit no one. Yeah, well, I, look, I'm just going to tell you, this is part of the problem I have here in the U.S. with the centralization of government in D.C. I think we were 
uh, far better off under the Articles of Confederation because the states were sovereign. They were recognized as sovereign. They're not that anymore. And so we get, sub, you know, we get subjected to, you know, whatever California wants to do. That's their, their cancerous kind of policies and law, pretended laws, if you will. Uh, tend to infect the rest of the states. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I understand that. And I do wish there was a decentralization here in America, as I do. I hope for you guys over there uh, in England. Now, with that said, you obviously have some political experience as far as understanding what's going on there. God's put you in a, a specific place in his providence in this time. And uh, I always find that fascinating because I think of stories like Joseph or Daniel and, and not them going out and politicking, but they just, they were faithful to God and God put them in these certain positions to be used by him for his glory. And, uh, so people understand this issue of Islam that we're going to talk about. When Peter and I spoke last night briefly, one of the things I told him was, look, yeah, I'm a po, I hate the ideology of Islam. I hate uh, the the ideology of LGBT, and I hate their actions. But we need to love those people enough to bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ that that frees them from that kind of stuff. Uh, the Bible says that they, it te- we are to be used to tearing down of strongholds, which are those things in our mind which begin to control us. And Peter was in agreement, which I'm going to tell you, I'm not a touchy-feely guy, you know, goosebump. But I, I did get those when you said it because I don't speak to a lot of people when I first meet them and tell them that. They're kind of like, eh, they're a little cold or whatever. But Peter embraced that. He said, that's, that's my passion, too, is that they would know the gospel. So when we talk about the things that we're talking about this morning, I want people to understand this is not an issue of hate. This is an issue of pointing out error. It's about pointing out those things that are opposed to God. And if, if we're going to sit here and uphold those things, we can expect God's judgment to continue upon our nation. And we don't want that. And we want those people to experience the freedom that Christ has given us as well. So Peter, with that said, one of the main things that you have here, you mentioned um, um, uh, Marine over in France. You mentioned Geert over in the Netherlands. And uh, of course, the guy that you work for there in England. And uh, We've had a freeze-up, I guess, of the image there from Peter. I hope he can still hear us. Um, yep, I can still hear you. I'm okay. back. Okay, all right. It froze up there just for a minute. Um, this issue of critiquing Islam. Now, I know I, this is really my first interview with you except for the brief conversation last night, but I know Tommy Robinson has tried to have these interactions uh, he's faced all kinds of persecution for it. Uh, what was it recently? There was a, I think it was a Pakistani guy who was trying to molest his, his daughter. Uh, yeah. and, and boy, I'm right there with him. Of course, here in the States, you know, we have a different way of doing things, uh, than just grabbing the guy. I'm serious. I, this is a place. Where I couldn't you, comment. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> this is a, this is a place. This is a place where you don't go. You don't mess with people's children. Yeah. This is just what you just don't do it. And the Bible would teach us that you deserve a place, not in the ground, but in the ocean somewhere with a millstone tied around your neck. So you come into this. God's put you in here with these these other men and these other women, and you're orchestrating these hearts of oak. This first thing that you're doing is critiquing Islam, and specifically you're focusing on these grooming gangs, which use these young ladies as... um, uh, you know, they're sex trafficking them. They're using them almost as prostitutes, beating them, raping them, all of these kinds of things. Tell people a little bit about how you came to understand that was going on and what it took to, to get you in, in opposition to that. This is something that has been going on for 40 years. And we, 
no one talked about it. People knew it was happening. We understand now the politicians knew it was happening. The police knew it was happening. Uh, and it took until 2012 until we had a very brave journalist called Andrew Norfolk who wrote an article in the Times newspaper, front page article, exposing what was happening after over a year's research. And what he shared that was happening was that we had gangs, groups, often family groups, of Pakistani Muslim men who were raping young white girls. Uh, and this was happening all over the country. He talked about three or four towns, uh, but now we have had prosecutions in 40 towns. We have had 450 men have been prosecuted in 40 towns across the UK and 75 trials over the last 15 years. And they're, go and they're going on at the moment. There, is a, there are two trials I know happening. They just announced last week. Another trial has started. And it is unbelievable that people knew what was happening. Now, why did they not address this? They didn't address it or speak about it because, one, the perpetrators, they were Pakistani and they were Muslim, and it was a fear of being called racist. So that meant that it was not touched. And the second thing, actually, the police... What we're finding out, and not one police officer has been prosecuted, not one council official has been prosecuted, they have paid out compensation to these girls in some cases as an apology for turning a blind eye, but no one has actually been prosecuted. There isn't a single police officer in prison for turning a blind eye to this. And they knew it was happening, and uh, we had, uh, five years ago, we had six reports came out to expose the failings of the local authorities and the police. Um, Tens of millions has been spent doing these reports. And what we're finding out is that local council officials who were in child services supposedly trying to protect children, they, they, they knew it was happening. And whenever it's been found out, they've simply been moved from one job to another instead of losing their job. And Tommy has been one of the key people who has been addressing this issue along with others. And when he has reported on this issue, he has been the one arrested and taken to court yep. instead of the individuals. It, we live in a crazy society when the person who speaks truth and points out an evil is the one who is shut down and not allowed to speak. Uh, so, the, the, yeah, the, it, it, is, it, is, it is utterly huge. And one of the other huge failings is that many of these men are prosecuted and jailed, but the sentencing is horrendously lax so we have many of these men are jailed for conspiracy to rape, not involved in the actual rape, but involved in the trafficking and grooming of these girls. And many of these men get five, six years in prison and get out after half that time. So when we talk about the Rochdale Three, who are three members of a group of nine who were involved in this grooming gang, they were jailed for between six and 22 years. The, all of them have got out apart from one. And you get you get worse sentences for what they call hate crimes, calling people names, than you do for being involved in a rape gang. And it's, there are so many areas of, of concern, and the government keeps saying they're going to address this. And the, the, the thing I mentioned about the, the petition that got 100,000, we started a petition and suddenly it went, it went viral. And if you have 100,000, you get a debate in the House of Commons on that issue. But... That was about a report that the Home Office, Government Department, had produced looking at who the perpetrators were, characteristics, things that would link the men up and why they were doing this. 
And that was done. And then everything went silent after nine months. And people started asking. And then we were told, no, that's not for the public. That's privately for us to, internally. Uh, so there was a huge outcry. Politicians after politician demanded it be released. Nothing happened. And then we launched this petition. And within two weeks, the government changed. And they said they would produce this report by the end of the year. And we don't know what's in it, but something's in it the government don't want people to hear. And all we want is for children to be able to walk the streets and not have a fear. I mean, it's every parent's nightmare that your child will be, um, will be grabbed and, and be involved in such a heinous crime. And the, the last crazy thing about this was when parents went and reported this to the police, the police said they have chosen a life of prostitution. That is their choice. These are 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. That is absolutely asinine. That is asinine. How, how can they... So it is surely the adult who is committing that crime of sex with a minor, they immediately should be prosecuted. But instead of them being prosecuted, the girls are actually labelled as prostitutes and their parents are told that that's their lifestyle choice. How a 13-year-old can choose to ha have sex with an adult and that adult to be let off nothing to be done. So that's what we're finding out. All of the kind of, said, there are over 400 men have been arrested, but there have been many trials that have collapsed. Many times the, the police bring evidence together, they then go to the trial, and the Crown Prosecution Service, who are the ones that help the police bring the evidence to the courts for it to be discussed and, and tried, they're actually turning up to court with zero evidence and forcibly collapsing the cases, and the men all walk free. So, Tommy is the, the most vocal one on this. There are, there are a number of others, uh, but Tommy is the most vocal one, and he's the one that gets attacked, criticised, um, destroyed by the media, because he's talking about an issue which is now said is, is far right. How can protection of children be far right? It is a crazy situation we're in. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I just had to punt somebody out of the YouTube channel who's promoting... Um, uh, pedophilia too and this is a part of the this is part of the problem let, let me ask you this isn't this sort of some of the things that you're talking about isn't this part of what uh what led up to the english defense league i mean is not this a lot of their message that they've had um i know tommy had kind of gotten out of that and i assume that's from infiltration of certain ideologies too which it, it's amazing to me i mean even what we're see, what we saw the other week in trafalgar square with kate shimarani and all those people standing there and they're going to do it again we're going to be talking about that tomorrow with her on the show mm. they're going to be meeting again next yeah. week i assume the numbers yeah. are going to dwarf whatever was there before because people yeah. will be encouraged by the numbers that are there but but with the english defense league that's what they really started out as they were wanting to protect the children they were wanting to protect the culture uh, and the society at large from what they saw coming in, and then it gets infiltrated by these provocateurs, these neo-Nazis, all these kinds of people, and people forget, no, at first this was a strong, from what I understood, from people I interviewed, a strong Christian stance to say, we don't want this in our society, we're going to stand against it, and then the devil, like he is, moves right in and tries to overtake that. Uh, am I that far off base at, at what the uh, EDL was doing? The, the EDL was, it was started because of two specific issues. One was the Islamization of society. So in that area in Luton, they saw 
it moving away from having a church on every corner to having a mosque on every corner. So it was a concern of the change in the culture and yeah, just the, the change in the time. So that was the first thing. The second thing, it wasn't a gloomy gang back then because it wasn't as, as public at all. It was much more under wraps. And literally, it was 2012 until it broke to the public. The, the other main issue was, in the UK, we do not have pride in our armed forces. You in the States, you hold those in your services, your armed forces up very highly, huge respect and admiration for what they do for you, protecting your freedoms over in the States. We treat our armed forces quite differently, and we treat our veterans horrendously. And they were angry at how the state was treating those who choose to fight for our freedoms in our armed forces. And we would have the armed forces coming back to the UK and parading through some of the streets. And the public would come out and applaud them. And this was something which wasn't done across the country, was just done in pockets. And when that was happening, they found out there were Muslim groups who were coming to shout and um, uh, throw things at them to burn poppies, which obviously is the symbol for our soldiers and fighting for freedom. So there would be this wall of hatred that would come from not everyone in the Muslim community, but an, a number of Muslims, and they were trying to um, destroy this happy event of the soldiers coming back safely from where they had been fighting for our freedoms. So it was an anger that that was allowed to happen on a British street and for our armed forces to be so disrespected. So that's where the English Defence League came from, a, a desire for our armed forces to be given the respect they're due and to stop having opposing groups. And at that time it was Muslim groups um, shouting abuse at our soldiers. Okay. All right. Now, what? It's not just been these these ones that you talked about. These three of a group of what did you say nine? Yeah, nine. But we've we've seen. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the names of the cities there. Is it Rotter, Rotterdale, Rotterdam? Where they? So ha- you've got this is in Rochdale. You've got Rotherham. You've got Telford. Those are the three big um, Rotherham, Rochdale, and Telford are the three towns that have had this more than anywhere but actually it's affected smaller towns so Rochdale Rotherham have had around 40 40 45 men tried over the last eight nine ten years and um, but if you look at places like Oxford which you think Oxford very middle class well-to-do town they've had I think 15 or 18 men prosecuted you've got little towns like Bristol away on the west coast quite a quiet town, very, very, very liberal. And it's had, I think, four or five men charged. So actually it's happened in, as I said, I think it's 40 times across the UK over a period of 40 years. And the, the scale of this, so no one knows exactly how many girls have been affected by this and have been victims of these rape gangs. I know that Lord Pearson has looked at the figures and he's calculated you're looking at around a quarter of a million girls. But Sarah Champion, who's a Labour MP, Labour obviously on on the left, she is the MP for Rochdale or Rotherham. I always forget. Apologies. One of those two. And she has said that up to one million girls have been affected by this. One million. And that's just the girls. You think of the families, the parents. Uh, We have... If, the, if, if that figure is correct, it's a high figure to me, but she lives there, she knows the area. And this was in an interview with the Daily Mail, one of our newspapers, two years ago. 
soon after she gave that interview, she lost her position in the Labour Party. They immediately stripped her of her ministerial position and she was put back to being a, a backbencher, a lowly MP without any portfolio. Um, because they say, how dare you talk about this and call out the part of the population who's causing this, which is the, the Pakistani Muslim population. But one million girls, if you take in parents, grandparents, 10 million people are affected by this. Uh, and yet we have a, a culture of silence that you cannot discuss this because you will destroy community relations. We don't have any community relations, uh, but you cannot point the finger because you will disparage and put down a section of the community. But we're not putting down a section of the community. We're simply saying, in your community, you need to talk about this. You need to ask questions. You need to understand. And probably the final thing on this, one of the huge areas in Islam is the shame and honour culture. So they have, they're not going to go to the police because they would bring shame upon their community, in which case they just keep quiet. And it's just white girls being raped. It's not our Muslim girls, so it's fine. Well, that, that, they, Peter, that's one of the things that I was going to make mention of, that this is happening to British young ladies. This is not happening to the Muslim young ladies. And we do know what they do with their Muslim young ladies who are involved in this. Um, they, uh, they either engage in an honor killing by the family members, or the, if, if they're involved in something, we've had numerous stories uh, out of the United Arab Emirates, out of Dubai, out of all these places where there are women who are traveling or they're working in a facility and they can be raped by two or three Muslim men. And the Muslim men kind of get a slap on the wrist. Oh, you know, you really sh- – it, it, it's, like, it's like they're saying you really shouldn't have got caught is what they're saying to them. Yeah. And they say to the yeah. woman, they say, well, you're guilty of committing adultery when she didn't do anything. And uh, it, but this is happening to British girls. Let's make that clear. This is not happening those who hold to Islam. They're they're girls. This is happening to British young ladies. And um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I did it before when I when I brought my pistol. I, this is where the fathers are going to have to start standing up. And I get the idea that we want to get our guys to bring justice to these people. But, Peter, you know what? The Bible says nothing about prison for stuff like this. It says you get a dirt nap. You get a dirt nap for stuff like this uh, because that is real justice. You don't make the families pay. You don't provide injustice. You do these kinds of things. Now, with that said, the grooming that's taking place, it's more along the lines of not grooming. It's a snatch and grab deal. I mean, they're using grooming. And I think in many cases that's not true. In some cases it's true, but but in many cases it's not. So we've got that going on by these Pakistani Muslims that you're talking about. What about the the LGBTQ or STUV WXYZ people? Uh, what, what what what's going on there? Because they are this they are the the birds of a feather. That's what they are, and we see it here. They both fake crimes against themselves. They fake hate. Uh, and there is no hate. There's no such thing as a hate crime. Every crime committed is not done out of love, is it? I, I mean, I don't know of any that's done out of love. So I think the whole hate crime is just a way to stifle free speech, which we're going to get to in just a minute of what you guys are standing for. How is the LGBTGB, LGBT uh, involved in this? Because they're doing something similar. They may not be taking girls off and raping them, or maybe they are, or little boys or whatever. But how are they helpful in advancing what these Pakistani Muslims are doing there in the UK? Well, I call it the LGBTBS, but um, yeah, it gets confused <laughs> in all yes. the extra letters that are added onto it. And we, the, the thing is with the LGBT community, there, there are no lines. 
there are no barriers anymore of right and wrong. It's if if you want to do something and it feels good, then you should do it. So who are society to put restraints around who you are as an individual? You should celebrate that. And we've seen, obviously, with Netflix and as Acuities, the, the film they've done that promotes paedophilia. And we have, I've heard of movements, certainly in the UK and on on the continent in Europe that just talk about that as being, well, that's just a different type of love. And who are you to restrict that type of love? So we are in a very dangerous situation. And I think that once you've taken away the, the best way of raising children is in a marriage between a man and a woman. And that's how life is designed. That's how life works. Um, and when you begin to deconstruct that and let anything goes, then you will have, repercussions because that's not how things are designed to work um, so we have at the moment a uh, from this month September 2020 it is now part of the school curriculum in primary schools to have relationship education not relationship and sex education that's secondary but they bring in every type of LGBT because it's part of a relationship it's no longer sex, it's just relationship. So you now have four and five-year-olds can be taught about transgenderism, about bisexuality, about anything goes, because the school wants them to be as free as possible in their thinking. It doesn't want them to discriminate against anyone. And woe to any parent who would raise objections to that because they are purely speaking hate and that cannot be tolerated. That's the situation we face. And the situation, I know I, I just wrote a letter to, um, I said, two boys, one in beginning primary school and one beginning secondary school. And I've just written a letter asking for what consultation process had been done between the school and the parents. Because again, if children need guidelines, Children need to be told, actually, this is right and wrong, and this is what you live within. And that's being a good parent. That's helping them be part of society. But when you take away any restrictions and tell them they can do what they like, then you're, all hell is going to break loose, literally, because they, have, they will not have any moral principles. They will not have any guidelines with what is right and wrong. And my, it's, the, it's the difficulty between what you allow people to do privately and what I, I don't know whether it is right to say actually homosexuality should be, should be illegal. We are not a theocracy. So that's a, another huge debate. But simply allowing children to be children and growing up without being sexualized, I think, is absolutely essential. And by all means, you can have relationship and sex education in secondary schools in consultation with parents so they know what's happening. But to be talking to four and five-year-olds, not only about LGBT stuff, but even worse. So we've had six local authorities have talked about, and it may be too early in the morning for you, but to talk about children masturbating. This is four and five-year-olds. And this is all part of taking the child and just sexualizing them to the extreme in every area. Yes. And I don't know what we're going to do to, to push back on this. The government legislation is this is normal in schools. You cannot oppose this. Um, and up to now, there has been an opt-out, so parents could opt their children out. But then children are made to look stupid. They're made to look weird. They're made to look not normal if they're taken out of that. And when you talk to parents, parents say this can't possibly be what's been taught. 
And I showed them the government answers, the legislation, and they say, no, no one in the right mind would teach young children to do this stuff. But that's, it's happening, and it's so unbelievable, and it's been done in such an undercover way that no one is confident enough to oppose this because it's so beyond belief that this could be happening in our country. Yeah, well, you know, Peter, part of the problem is is that when a culture begins to abandon God, and look, the U.K. is further along than the U.S. Uh, the U.K. used to be a godly culture. Uh, it began to persecute those who would stand for its own. Many of those traveled over here and established what was here. It became a godly culture. God blessed it. And then as time went on, people forgot God. And you were talking about the teaching. This is one of the things we promote here at the Sons of Liberty. We don't promote the public school system, which I call public indoctrination centers, because of the very things that you're talking about. And that's just one area of it. Uh, you know, first and second graders have no business being taught anything about biology or sexualization or any of that. You can wait till later on in life because that's not even affecting their life right now. And so, you know, we've always been open with our kids. If they had questions, we would give them enough information to where it's clear. I didn't want to be like my parents and be scared of talking about sex. That was yeah. not one of the things I wanted to do. I didn't want them learning on the bathroom wall, so to speak. And so I trusted that, you know, God had a, a plan for that and that we could speak to them openly, straightforwardly, without being gratuitous. Um, and when their time came to where, you know, they get married and such, then Hey, you're going to experience it for yourself. You're going to be a big fan and all of this other stuff. But that's that's within the confines of marriage. That's what that's what God's mm-hmm. given. What these people are doing is they are targeting our kids. And I cannot understand for the life of me. I don't know how it is in the UK, but I can't understand for the life of me. The US people, especially those who call themselves Christians, don't pay attention to Deuteronomy 6 where God says, "It's in your heart and you teach these things to your children." And you do it, yeah. it's it's all day long, it's happening. My wife inputs so much into our kids because I'm, I'm busy. And then when I have a chance to speak to them, I want to, you know, come alongside that and input that as well. <clears throat> but these, these are the things that are failing to be done here. I'm sure that's happening there. This is why the problem is. And the people tolerate it. They just say, what can I do? I mean, this is yeah. we, we have to send our kids to school. Well, you really don't. You can you can teach them at home. You can find a way to do that, and you can input the value. And I think God would bless that, Peter. But but there's bringing a curse. Your nation is facing it like we are. Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. God said he's he you know he said if you obey me, I'll make you the head. I'll make your enemies the foreigners. All these other people people the tail. I'll make them the indebtors. You the one who's who's giving to them. And what have we seen? We've seen the reverse. Now you were talking about that a minute ago. We've seen the reverse. Where in your laws, you're already seeing evidence of Sharia. You're you're seeing evidence. I mean, in my state of South Carolina, it's not just Muslims. It's the occultic Jewish stuff uh, that's a problem, too. And so in the state of South Carolina, they want to infringe on the free speech that if you want to boycott the state of Israel, that somehow that's uh, unlawful to do, and we'll come lock you up for that. Well, I'm not having any of it. I'll boycott them if I want to boycott them uh, or speak out against them because— they have no authority to be doing that, and I think the people are not calling that out. So when you're saying what you're saying is going on, this is resonating with people here in the U.S. and around the world because I see that uh, what's going on in the chat room is that people are in agreement with you. They, they're thankful that we're covering this, <laughs> this, uh, this particular thing because it is a stifling of free speech to be yeah. able to call out the ideology. Not a, it's, This isn't a race issue. Islam knows no boundaries of ethnicity or nations, neither does occultic Judaism. 
so this is not about that. This is about pointing, exposing the darkness, Ephesians 5.11, which we're called to do. And, uh, and yeah. I'm glad that you've come on to, to talk about that. Now, how can, I'm giving that in general terms. How are you perceiving that over in the U.K. concerning free speech, the, the ability to speak out and say, this is wrong, and when you say it's wrong and you stand on the foundation of God's Word, what's happening to people over there in the U.K. for doing that? Okay, there are a whole load of areas you could touch on that. Um, sadly, in the UK, we don't have any proper church. Uh, the Church of England has uh, has left its biblical foundations a long, long time ago. And even when you talk to non-Christians, they like the fact that we had a state church that brought some moral guidance to the nation. Um, so we don't have that anymore. On the issue of free speech... So most people we've worked with have been restricted of their voice online and social media online. That's how we connect. We're sitting here uh, on a video connection. It's all going online. Uh, we haven't met in person and that's how people connect and the message gets out. So we are having people restricted. So David Vance, good friend of mine from Northern Ireland uh, on Twitter, had 200,000 odd on Twitter, very well known here. He got uh, taken off Twitter yesterday. Obviously, Tommy gets restricted on anything. Uh, we call him the, he who cannot be named. That's uh, how we generally <laughs> refer to Tommy. So, uh, because if you mention him on social media, you get removed. Now, Netflix can promote cuties, can promote pedophilia. That's accepted. But Tommy Robinson, his name being mentioned is enough to get that post or that video or that account removed uh, from uh from the internet so tommy has had every avenue removed for him to speak and the state wants to shut people down how dare you talk about lgbt issues how dare you talk about islam can i throw this how in dare peter? you talk about peter can, let me throw this in because i asked you last night because we've been trying to get tommy on the radio show for about uh, a year now and uh, you said you're going to talk to him today and see if we can bring him tell him he always has i don't care if they pull the video we've got it out on all kinds of platforms and yeah. we archive it on several websites. So um, I, I know you're going to try to make that connection for us so that maybe we can get him on next week or something like that. But uh, but tell him he's always got a place to come with the Sons of Liberty. And if that means he has to go outside the country to do it uh, and come to the U.S. through the Sons of Liberty, we're, we're going to support that because he's on the right track in those things. Well, I'm seeing him for lunch in about 20 minutes whenever we finish. So I will pass that on to him. And it's Tommy is just an example of the restrictions we face. We've had Carl Benjamin on, and Carl Benjamin, he was on Patreon, uh, which is a, a way of funding online activities. He had Patreon pulled. He had his YouTube account demonetized and then restricted. And again, these companies, they have a long list of terms of conditions, and it's not clear. There's no feedback. There's no response to that. But we are having good platforms. We, have, we use VK. VK is a, a Russian platform, and it's actually the 10th or 11th most visited website in the world. And they've got a social media platform, which is very similar to Facebook. And they're happy with free speech. We've got Parler, which has taken off in the last two months or so. And I believe that Parler is going to have the ability for live streams and that sort of thing. Uh, VK has live streams. And um, obviously, I, DLive and DTube, they're other platforms that we need to use and we need to encourage people to use them because
You still there? Hello? Yep, yep, I'm here. You cut off. Oh, sorry, I had, a call. <laughs> I had a call. Okay, that's fine. So um, these these issues are of, of paramount importance. They're issues of our very liberties, our freedom. And I know you have a kid coming on talking about the demos and the, the restrictions on free speech on that, that if you mention that you're opposed to the lockdown, you get your account taken off, you get visited. Uh, I was talking to an Australian friend, a journalist who got arrested last week, uh, and he he got arrested because he was reporting on a anti-lockdown protest. He talked to two people who got arrested in the middle of the night because the police came, they had posted something on Facebook. How is it illegal to post your opinion on Facebook, uh, but that is now illegal. In certainly in Australia, which has a crazy lockdown, it's becoming more and more illegal here. And surely, people should have the right to express their views as long as you don't want any violence or people to be intimidated. You just have a, a point of view, and as long as you can put that point of view across in a sensible way. Um, but this whole area of hate speech is used to shut down debate. No one wants to put be to hit anyone else. But hit means just disagreement. Actually, it means offence. If someone says, I'm offended by that, that's regarded as a hate crime and the police can come and visit you. So it is a slow and slow lockdown on our freedoms and civil liberties. And it all came through, I think, the hate speech legislation came in about five, six years ago, that you can be arrested and locked up for a crime if it's committed with any reference to LGBT issues or Islam or... Uh, yeah, a whole range of issues. Uh, you can attack Christianity if you like, of course, just don't touch anything about Islam. So, and the, I've talked to police officers and they are pushed to ramp up those figures. They have to be prosecuting more and more people each year to show our society is more hateful and therefore we need this legislation even more. So it just perpetuates itself uh, more and more. So we don't have any freedom in the UK, whenever you can get visited simply for putting away. I had a friend who we had on one of our live streams and he was visited by the police because he put a limerick, a poem on Facebook that had a line about LGBT. So simply by putting a poem that mocks a position, that's enough to be visited by the police. So our, our free speech is completely gone. Um, and and we have to use and take advantage of those free speech platforms that are available to get our message across. Right. Well, I, you know, this is uh, this is something. Now, let me ask you something. We've got somebody in the chat room. <clears throat> Apparently, they're from England, and uh, they're putting, you know, they're disparaging Tommy Robinson, um, and they're saying, well, he's a shield for Israel. He's Israel first, and this, that, and the other. He's not a real. He's just using our flag for this, that, and the other. <clears throat> would you like to respond to somebody like that? You know the guy. Um, you've been working with him for some time. Would you like to respond to this person? Um, I've, yeah, I, I first met Tommy maybe 12 years ago and got to know him since. So I've, I've got to know him well. And um, he's someone you, you like to have by your side, someone you can trust, uh, someone who is honest. And if you go into a situation with Tommy by your side, then you're certainly much better prepared for anything. Um, and he would go, he'll go the distance for anyone, very loyal guy. And he simply wants to talk about issues that affect people. He simply wants to highlight those issues. So I, I wouldn't have a, a bad word said about Tommy at all. And the issue of Israel, I mean, I, we, we may disagree. I, I am very, very pro-Israel. Um, I think Israel have 
the absolute right to exist and the Jewish people have the right to a state and to me actually having Israel as a, a bastion of, of freedom of speech, of freedom of democracy, of freedom of uh, our judiciary, of freedom of press, uh, freedom of religion, it's quite positive and maybe the, the Muslim countries around Israel uh, would be wise to take some of those liberties and freedoms and put them in their own countries. So, but this issue of, of Tommy and um, and the Jewish connection, I think that. Whoop, we lost you there again. Did somebody try to call you again? I, I will. Uh, another, I will leave you in two or three minutes or else okay. I'll be late for lunch with Tommy. Okay. Uh, but just find on, on Tommy, he, he gets attacked simply because um, he, he is a, a supporter of, of Israel and he has worked with people who are, or Jewish. So he's worked for Ezra Levant before in Rebel Media, which is a great free speech platform up in Canada. And because of that, he gets attacked. But um, why shouldn't he work with whoever will get the message out? The important thing is you get the message out. The important thing is you speak truth and people hear that. I, well, no, I agree with that. Putting the message out, get it out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I hope that you and I can have some conversations on uh, who is really Israel, uh, because I think yeah, yeah. I think the geopolitical uh, structure that's known as Israel is not biblical Israel in the least, and I can demonstrate that through the scriptures. First and Second John are very clear about who is an antichrist. That's anybody who denies that Jesus has come in the flesh or that God has come in the flesh. Both uh, the the nation state of Israel denies that. Uh, we have evidence where they are not. I mean, where they are not this bastion of freedom. I mean, Tel Aviv is rivals anything that you see out of San Francisco with the LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you also see the attack. You won't see it when you go to, you know, do the tour of the Holy Land, so to speak. But uh, with Christians within the society, they are persecuted. Uh, we had a recent um, guy who was converted. He's been speaking to his neighbors, and he's been persecuted by the government of Israel. And so I realize that they are they are as much antichrist as the Muslims that you're critiquing there. But I but at the same time, I'm like you. I recognize a nation has a right to exist, has a right to defend itself, but it does not have a right like our nation, even our nation, and I think your nation have been involved in unconstitutional, unlawful wars. It's not for our freedom. It's for the advancement of corporations. It's for the advancement in our society of the military industrial complex or political parties or this, that, and the other. But it's not for the benefit of the people. It's not for the defense of the people. And it's certainly not for the good of the countries that we're going into. There are some we've had good wars, just wars, in fact. But here over the past, at least since World War II, everything from the United States perspective has been unlawful. Peter, I know you got to go here in a second. Why don't you tell people a little bit about where they can find out more about you, what you guys are doing, and I'll try to flash as much of it up on the screen as I can. Yes, they can also the website is heartsofoak.org. Uh, that's uh, in process mode. You can see the live streams on the top right, uh, which connects you to VK. Um, we're trying to get all the videos up on the website. All the live streams, we do live streams generally Monday and Thursday evenings, uh, and that's 8 o'clock UK time. So I guess that's about, what, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And we... A whole range of people. Uh, we've had Tommy and Carla many times. Uh, we had Jared Batten, who was leader of UKIP uh, last week. Uh, we've got Kate on on Monday. And all different people highlighting all the areas that we are passionate oh. 
about all the things we're passionate about and interested in. So we're on uh, YouTube, uh, Hearts of Oak, I think it's Hearts of Oak Official on YouTube. There also is, there's a, a Ghanaian football team called Hearts of Oak, which sometimes pops up. I don't know how that happens, but um, I don't follow Ghanaian football. But um, it's, yeah, Hearts of Oak on, uh, at Hearts of Oak on Twitter, at Hearts of Oak on Parlour, uh, on VK, and you, um, YouTube just is Hearts of Oak Official. So we're, we're everywhere as far as we can get. Um, and you can watch our live streams, short videos we put out, um, very active on social media. You can support us. And this is our demo that we have coming up on the 31st of October to demand these three men are deported and sent back to Pakistan. So it, the, the crazy thing is these girls, these girls that are victims, they, even if these men are found guilty, these men go to prison, the girls don't get anything. The girls get zero compensation if they want compensation they need to have a separate court case to fight for compensation so it, we live in a crazy time where uh, where the men who are fighting against um, their prosecutions they get state aid uh, called legal aid these three men they got over one million pounds of government money to oppose the government but yet the girls get zero so it's a i mean the the, the levels of injustice are are horrendous and if we can be a voice to highlight this then wonderful we don't have any any political party in the uk that highlights these issues we don't have any single organization we have lots of individuals and we want to try and bring together uh, people like Carl, like tommy uh, catherine blakelock who formed the brexit party all different individuals and if we can together i think we can do a lot more than we can do separately so um come and watch our live streams uh, next week it's it's all about the lockdown and if you do like you can subscribe you can even donate if you like so yeah okay all right peter we appreciate your time thank you for coming on with us this morning and we've got just about a minute and a half here folks some people are already asking can we do more shows on this oh well i you know as as we get guests we'll do that we've got a veterans group that kate has sent us over to from the UK, and um, I forget the guy's name, but he has said he will come on. So we're going to schedule him for Monday, Thursday, or Friday because Tuesday and Wednesday are already filled. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring on some people from the UK because you know what? <clears throat> there is there is something happening in the UK that's eventually going to happen to the US unless the people put a stop to it. Not just speak out against it. You put a stop to it. And uh, Peter, we appreciate the fact that you guys are passionate about this. You've got kids. And, you know, our posterity is who we're, uh, we're living for the glory of God, or we should be, but we're living so that our posterity would uh, experience the blessings of liberty that we've experienced. I've seen it in my I'm only 51, and I've seen in my lifetime the loss of liberty in the United States like nothing, especially in the past two decades, like nothing I've ever seen before. And uh, we appreciate your stand there, and uh, let's keep in touch. We'll, you know, we'll work things out. And uh, for our questioner, I appreciate your question about uh, Tommy and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind asking the hard questions. I don't mind people speaking up and doing this, this, that, and the other. And we'll see what comes of that. But, Peter, we thank you for your time, brother. Have a good day, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Guys, we want you to support us if you can. I know some of you are having tough times, but if you can support us, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com and click on the Donate button or become a monthly, monthly supporter as a son or daughter of liberty. 24 or 5 hours. We'll be back with Kate Shimrani. See ya.